My name's Claire Press, and I'm Vogue Australia's Sustainability Editor. You're listening to Wardrobe Crisis, the podcast that unzips fashion's issues. Do you mind if I move the microphone? I just, I need to lounge. <laughs> Devotion, darling. I think as humans, we are major forces to be also reckoned with. And I think creativity always flourishes when there is any type of crisis. That's been the absolute pleasure, is watching talented people who have skills far and beyond mine come together and work collectively. Einstein always said, nature has all the answers. Just look to nature, it has all the answers. Just because I happened to be able to source them easiest, I guess, I was buying original wool jackets from the 1950s. I was buying them at Portobello Market. And a one man's rubbish is another man's gold. For me, it was about age. It was about the attitude of people. And it's about how they're wearing the clothes, why they're wearing the clothes, and capturing a bit of their wisdom and empowering people to look at aging differently. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes to how they impact on the environment to the politics of personal style. We are so hot right now. Welcome to part two of our mini-series on the work of the Ethical Fashion Initiative and Artisan Fashion. It's presented by Mimco, the Australian accessories brand that works with them, and that brought me to Kenya to make this show. If you haven't yet listened to last week's episode with EFI founder and United Nations officer Simona Cipriani, please do. It's really inspiring. So why Mimco? Well, they've been supporting the EFI since 2014, playing an active role in empowering women and reducing poverty through fair work opportunities. And they're the only Aussie brand working with them today. This collaboration provides viable long-term jobs for thousands of craftspeople in Africa. And it also brings the customers into this conversation with these unique artisanal Mimco pieces. To find out more about the brand's sustainability journey and to shop the new EFI Mimco collection, hop onto their website, which you can find at www.mimco.com.au. Now, come with me and the United Nations to Nairobi. My name is Zohan. I'm working as a quality control and we are working on Stella McCartney's bags. And today, how many people are working in the workshop? Oh, we have about 50 workers yeah, from the cutting department to print, screen printing. We have preparation and tailoring. Now, you've been here about four years. What do you like about working here for Artisan Fashion? Why is it a good place to work? The best thing about Artisans is that uh, after working, we get fair wages and we gain skills about how to make bags. What I like about my work is that uh, I can say I've really gained a lot of knowledge while working here. Because before I came here, I didn't have that, uh, that knowledge I have right now. How do you feel about the pace and the pressure? I can say there is no much pressure to my side because... 
I've already worked for four years here. I know every side of the bag where I have to check. Yeah. yeah. What about the designers? Hey, the designers are the best I've ever encountered in my life. Because every holder we get different designs. Right. Yeah, they are just amazing. It's never boring, right? No, <laughs> it's never boring. Hey, Godfrey, I want you to start by just telling us what your job is here at Artisan Fashion. My real job here is uh, I do logistics. I'm also an admin assistant. Is it long hours? Actually, we work at times less. At times, we work for overtime when it requires, but it's just once in a while. But basically, it's eight hours. That is the minimal. It feels to me like it has a good atmosphere here. Am I right? Or is it just today? <laughs> I would say not today. If you have time, you can also interact with some of my colleagues here and they'll tell you the same thing. We get a lot of support here. I mean, when you come here, you'll feel at home. Actually, at work, it's where you spend more time compared to your house or my house, yeah? So with the time I spend here or we spend here, it's just the best. <laughs> yeah, to be sincere. Is it interesting to meet the designers who come from overseas to see the work? Very much. I mean, it's Africans, we normally say, if a visitor comes, there is blessings. So any visitor, any client, when we see them coming, there is a room for our growth. It's also an opening door for more work because when we have an order and it requires this number of stuff, if we are less, then it means we'll get more stuff in, which is a good thing. We are creating employment for other guys out there who don't have a job. We were actually looking forward to this day, which is 9th, to see you, and I believe we can, you can be doing this more often so that you just get to know what we do. Because actually we've got a lot of processes that happen in CIA, and not unless you, you are keenly or you're keen following on those processes, you won't get to know what we actually do. Yeah? It's really interesting for me to understand the process. Yes, I write yes. about fashion and I see the product. I see the end result yes. more often yeah. than I see how the hands make it, yeah. who does what. Most of, of, of the products that we make here, they're heartfelt. I mean, people do with a lot of love. Eh? And uh, there's a lot of impact to the community surrounding this place and also the communities working because we it involves a lot of communities out there to have the final product at times assembling here i mean it involves a lot of hands eh? it's something that comes from within something made from love with a lot of love i'm at the artisan fashion workshop a fair work facility in the Athi River Business Park in Kenya's capital city of Nairobi, where accessories are made for ethically-minded fashion brands, including Vivian Westwood, Stella McCartney, Australia's Mimco, and now Adidas. They've just got their first big order from the sportswear giant to make some quite complicated bags and apparel, and it's causing a lot of excitement in here. 
Today, as Joanne told us, there are about 50 workers in here and I got the chance to check out their skills and talk to them and hang out and learn what these opportunities mean to them. It's been fascinating for me to see how these products are made and to listen to workers' perspectives on the value of this setup. Because in fashion, we so often focus on the product end, the glamorous ad campaigns, the creativity of the designers, the big names. But as Godfrey just told me, many hands go into this work. The Athy River Factory is the sort of place that feels familiar to me as a workroom. It's not dissimilar from garment factories and workshops in Australia. There's a big, bright, airy room with a bunch of machines in it, cutting tables, a screen printing setup, offices, all of that. But Artisan Fashion also works with less formal setups out in communities. And I got to visit some, from beading hubs to metalwork setups. We went out to the hills, actually, to meet these guys who run a metalwork studio. It's a husband and wife team, and they employ about five young men, including their son. Next up, we're going to visit the place where it all began, in the Corrigocho slum, where a collective of women bead in the Maasai tradition. And where Simone Cipriani first got involved with the United Nations then-fledgling Ethical Fashion Initiative back in 2009. But now we're going to hear from Robin McAndrew, who heads up Artisan Fashion, the company that now runs the EFI business in Kenya. Robin. I would love to begin by just asking you to describe where we are. So we now are in the heart of Korogocho slum. Um, Korogocho is one of the biggest, in fact, the fourth biggest uh, slum in Nairobi, home to about 200,000 Kenyans. And what you see here is um, a community group by the name of Bega Kwa Bega, run by Lucy, a group of previously commercial sex workers who now work as a supplier for artisan fashion, predominantly in beadwork. So I didn't understand that they were former sex workers. It was yeah. such a beautiful welcome that we got when we walked into that really colourful courtyard and they all started singing. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's very cool. They're always keen to see uh, those that they believe as supporting their livelihoods through the work that they're able to acquire. There were quite a few ladies, or there were, I think, three ladies there who had their babies with them, who were yeah. able to do the beading work while bringing their young families with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, many of these ladies have many, many children, and we can't prohibit them from working on the basis of, uh, of them leaving their children at home, which, of course, they can't afford to do. Some of these kids can't find access to schools or are too young to go to school. So they come along with their kids. And um, as it is in Kenya, you know, there's a real community feel to the way of life here. So... If mum's beating, perhaps another lady is, is looking after mum's baby. It's yeah. um, just the way that, that things are run around here. They're all very supportive of one another because they all come from similar backgrounds and similar sets of circumstances. In this particular hub, yeah. the work is beading. Tell me a little bit about how that works. So beading is a really strong traditional skill for Kenyan women. Traditionally most strong uh, in the Maasai Mara so the, the tribe from the Maasai Mara. And as a result, when we talk to a lot of our clients, they're obviously interested in our beading capabilities. So we would work with the likes of Lucy and uh, this community group here called Bega Kwa Bega 
to train them in what it is that we require from them to uh, produce the accessories or the elements that that are needed to then go onto the bag, the belt, whatever it is that it may be. Before we get into a bit more detail about the craft and yeah. about exactly what it is that you make, let's talk about artisan fashion. What is it? <laughs> okay, so essentially we're a group of uh, artisans that handcraft beautiful bags, accessories, and now for Adidas apparel as well for... I believe, forward-thinking international fashion brands. So brands like Mimco, who I'm here with, like Vivian Westwood, like Stella McCartney. Exactly. Karen Walker, um, United Arrows in Japan, Elaria Fendi also in Italy. So brands that are looking to do more, um, more than simply put out a desirable product, but are also looking to use their business to produce some sort of societal contribution. But this is a business, it's a spin-off from the Ethical Fashion Initiative. Yeah, so the Ethical Fashion Initiative is Simone Cipriani's brainchild. And uh, it's always been his dream that he should be able to integrate what he would refer to in UN sort of parlance as micro-producers to the value chain of international luxury fashion. I use that term because he does, but what are, I mean, micro-producers, perhaps you could just define it for us. Okay, so here in Kenya, you've got a, a lot of resourceful individuals that... Um, if you were to drive down Ngong Road, which is a, a road that would take you into the heart of Nairobi, on each side of that road, you would see a lot of different workshops with independent workers working on their own thing, whether or not it be woodwork, metalwork, fixing bikes, selling tires. It's taking people with their specific and quite often independent skills and trying to, I mean, plug them in sounds too formal, but offer them the opportunity to get involved in the the huge value chain that is international luxury fashion. But how do you now work with the Ethical Fashion Initiative? Okay, so yeah, good question. I mean, it, it, our sort of mother, as it, if you were, is the Ethical Fashion Initiative, and we were born from the Ethical Fashion Initiative. What essentially happened is that uh, we were able to gain such commercial traction through the relationships that we had with the likes of uh, Mimco, who we have here, and Vivian Westwood and Stella McCartney and so on, as we've already mentioned, that we put ourselves into a position where we were able to move to a private footing. And it's our beliefs, and I talk about myself and Simone in this, in this instance, that, that if anything is going to be truly sustainable, it has to be financially autonomous. So the only way to go is private. And so his ideology is always, at the outset, something that's demand-driven, with a path to privatization. And so we'd essentially um, take a look at uh, whether or not he's able to reach the point of financial autonomy and private business, at which juncture he, with the UN and the subsidized funds, would be able to exit and leave market forces to make a, a, a purposeful contribution to society um, in a socially impactful way. You use that word purpose. Right. And you and I have talked before we recorded this yeah. about business for purpose or purposeful business. What's your personal definition of that? I think something that's beyond exclusively for profit. Um, so, I mean, as I said, uh, uh, something that offers a societal contribution, whether or not that be through a positive social impact or a positive environmental impact. So we, we have two motivations, two goals. We have a social goal and a financial goal, because without the financial goal, we can't afford the social goal. The two go hand in hand. We are not a conventional company, but we're not 
sort of philanthropic by nature either. We sit between the two. But that feels like quite a modern concept. And when I use the word modern there, I'm talking about perhaps the growth of this as an idea, that there are more and more businesses that want to exist for purpose and that maybe the other way is the old-fashioned way. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) And me too. I I think that the way things are going, I mean, we see um, consumers... uh, feeling a greater sense of global citizenship. And, and as they do... Well, also responsibility. Yeah, responsibility. Well, I think the two, same, yeah. same, really. And therefore, from my personal perspective, I think businesses that are unable to explain to their customers, their followers, their fans, supporters, whatever, what it is that they do beyond looking after the bottom line will cease to be relevant. I think you're going to have to be able to show as any business globally that you offer something positive to society. Let's talk about Simon Sinek. And now I should just full disclosure here say that I'd never even heard of this guy until yesterday when you told me about him. Yeah, (laughs) I I read this guy's book. Uh, I think it's called Start With Why. And it's a really nice way to explain what it is that we do. Um, He talks about what, how and why. And if you break down artisan fashion, what do we do? We produce beautiful bags, accessories and apparel. How do we do it? We use local skills and materials. Why do we do it? We do it for positive social impact because we want to create economic development and employment opportunities here in East Africa. Or if you're part of the Ethical Fashion Initiative, you have a much more global perspective. Let's talk about how you measure that impact because it sounds lovely, but what does it really mean? And I think that that's something that's really valuable and important in the way that you work because it has teeth, it has structure. There there are reports, you can track it. Talk to us about how you do that. We, as artisan fashion, aren't responsible for uh, measuring our impact, but of course we are responsible for designing the level of impact that we're able to have. So if we could just go back a step, Claire, where we talk about designing uh, for social impact, when we sit down with the MIMCO team, we will know when we design a product exactly, or not know exactly, but we would be able to estimate how socially impactful the production of that product will be. During the production process, the social impact is measured by the UN and the Ethical Fashion Initiative, who then produce statistics surrounding the social impact of that production run that can be found on their website, it can be found on our website, and it can be found on MIMCO's website. So it's really transparent. What kinds of impacts are we talking about here? What does it look like? Can you give us a case study? Okay, so with every product that we produce, it's released with what's called a RISE tag, and that has a QR code. You can take your phone and you'd be familiar with that from boarding passes perhaps, and and that will take you to a page that will give you all the statistics behind the making of your bag, including the materials that were involved in the making of it. And I, I brought something with me here, just on a, on, if I could refer to it, please. There were some earrings that we've recently produced uh, that Mimco called the Biome Drop earring. And let me give you some statistics from that. Are they beaded? They're beaded, beaded, they're beaded earrings. Um, so it's socially quite impactful work. It's very much community-led. And I'll just read out a couple of the bullets, if I may. Mimco worked with four community groups. 48% of the artisans saved their earnings. 52% invested in education, health, and nutrition. 100% of the participants received training, thus boosting their income-generating prospects. And I might add at that point, they're able to use the training, the techniques that they learn for the likes of this production run with Mimco, they can then use to produce products in the domestic market too. So it's not simply that they learn how to produce something for Mimco that 
is a one-off mm. benefit. They're able to, to glean further benefit and accrue mm. further benefit from having learned those techniques further down the line. So the investment that we make there has benefits in the domestic market too. And then the next bullet is a regular income enabled artisans to maintain their health thanks to regular meals and improved healthcare access. Only 14% reported illness and sought treatment from public health facilities. As it goes that deep. Yeah, it does. It goes really. I mean, it's this is a UN. It's a UN audit. I yeah. mean, uh, it's actually amazing. Like because I work in looks very UN like, but it's yeah. so great because supply chain transparency is the big bad ogre of the ethical fashion conversation because it's so very difficult to get access to this data. And here you are actually tracking. This is the amount of people who went to a doctor. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, you see, I think that if you look at... Uh, I mean, the power of the UN. Everyone can't work with the UN, I guess. But. Yeah, we're very fortunate. I mean, but if you think about it, look at the... say, Let's take fast fashion as an example. That is born from a purely commercially driven perspective. Now, what we are at Artisan Fashion is we are born from a purely socially impactful perspective. So the commercial models of fast fashion really struggle to put any transparency on what it is that they do because they can't really have anyone look at at these sorts of figures. Exactly. But we have the other problem, Mm -hmm. which is that we can produce all these numbers, these facts and and figures around our, our social sustainability, whatever it is that you want to call it. But we also have to be profitable. And that's not so easily done either. So we've approached it from completely different backgrounds. You've got the commercial bias working hard at one end. And then on the other, at our end, you, you come from the socially impactful piece. Mm. But this, be, this being a UN project means that there was little consideration at that point in time for financial autonomy. It was very much about how socially impactful it was. My job has been to try and make sure that we put it into a position where it is financially autonomous. Therefore, we can continue this Mm. good work, this um, purposeful product that we're able to produce. You also work and have done for a long time with Vivian Westwood. Yeah. How important is it to find the right design partners? Oh, it's, it's massive. And what makes them good? I think anyone who knows Vivian knows that this would be a pretty easy sell to someone such as her. I mean, not only is she keen on having a, making a very prominent um, and purposeful contribution to society, both environmentally and socially, but uh, the nature of what we do and how we do it is uh, also really aligns with them as a brand. Um, so we've been working with them for... Well, since the outset, really, I would say seven or eight years. And what sorts of product do you make for her? Oh, bags, bags, bags. We've always been making bags, loads and loads of them. Um, we have two seasons. We do the autumn, winter and the spring, summer. We Two seasons a year. We must have done 15 seasons in total. Um, well, that was my question was what makes a good client or a good design uh, partnership? Okay. And it's about coming well, back, isn't you it? You know, again, okay, uh, because you've got to look at the sustainability of your workforce. Fashion, from, from this perspective, is pretty choppy you know from a cash flow perspective and from a human resource perspective it can be difficult to manage you know we have to have a relative when managing our teams we have to have a a quite a flexible approach and we need to look at how it is that we can smooth out that choppiness as best we can to make sure that we in terms of orders coming at different times yeah exactly so workloads changing so and we got a conversation with mimco this afternoon about that because they're really cognizant of of the seasonality of fashion and they want to... Keeping the work regular. Exactly. So what they're... The questions that will be raised and 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 we will try to best as best to answer is, is when can you be producing for us? When does it suit you as artisan fashion to be producing for Mimco? We want to plug those gaps, which is a 
yeah, a really lovely thing for them to essentially be offering us to do. We, I mean, otherwise, what you can end up with is you can end up with 50 to 75% of your work being done in four different months of the Which year. Which then means people have no work in between. Exactly. Right. And it's my job well, to try, to my job to try and manage anything. that. And, and, you know, Stella McCartney's good like that too. Um, quite often we will sit down at the beginning of the year in London and they will say, what's your production calendar looking like? What we would like from you this year is, you know, X number of bags. When can you produce them? When does it suit you to produce them? And that is, you know, dreamy stuff from our perspective, rather than a client that comes along and says, we need 5,000 units and we need them in eight weeks. If they did that, if I ever felt that we were approached by someone who was going to do a one-off production run, it wouldn't interest mm. me. I mean, it, it's got to be a long-term partnership. Can we talk about Adidas? This is super exciting for us, so I'd love to talk about Adidas. Mm. You know, Simone, he's a wonderful entertainer. He went... Mr. Uh, Charisma. Yeah, Mr. Charisma. I, he, what a great storyteller. And uh, he went to the Adidas base in Herzo, which is just north of Nuremberg, and it's huge, right? 6,500 people, I think, work there. And there's a foyer in the... Do you call it a foyer in the middle? I, I don't know what you want to call it. But anyway, and, and there's a platform. And he presented and to, to everyone that was there, and it, the story really resonated. A bit with, of theatre. Uh, yeah, a good bit of theatre, a good bit of entertainment in, in the middle of that day. And it, it really resonated with a lot of the guys that worked there. So the next step was for me to go there and tell them how it is that they were going to make all of this happen. And then they sent their creatives over and we've designed three products. We've got a lanyard, we've got a, a bag and a backpack, a running backpack. And we also have a jacket. And it'll be a, a jacket. Tra- a so jacket. you're making apparel. So we're making apparel, and we're starting off with Adidas. And it's um, hard. <laughs> yeah, quite, quite a journey actually. So I mean, on on the bags, I feel really comfortable. Um, but the jacket will be a new venture for us. But Adidas quite clearly made the point, which is cool from our perspective, that if we're going to be working together, we've got to be able to do more than just bags. And so we have a production hub down in Athi River that you came to yesterday that's 25,000 square feet. We probably use 11, 12,000 square feet of it. When Adidas came, they looked at it and they said, this is excellent. Because what they see is an opportunity to expand on the good work that we're doing. And that's what's really exciting from our perspective. What's really exciting from the artisan's perspective or from the people sewing the bags perspective is that Adidas is one of those labels that in Africa people are like, ah, got it. Yeah, you, you know, know fine, means something. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone here knows the likes of a David Beckham um, and knew that he was sponsored by Adidas. But wherever it is that you go, you see Adidas. It's all over Africa. And of course, you know, Kenya has some, some of the world's top athletes and uh, the vast majority of them are, are sponsored by Adidas too. So everyone can relate to Adidas. When, you, when you're making a bag for Vivian Westwood and you show the artisans something like the, the, the autumn winter show in 2017, which I did, uh, that's quite difficult for them to get their heads around. But now we're producing for Adidas. It's a household name here. They're all super excited. It's good for pride, isn't it? It's good for feeling like, my goodness, I'm working hey, with look, this thing I mean, that I look up to. Or... The step that we made from being a charity to a private enterprise has been really exciting for everyone involved. Suddenly, they get far more meaning and dignity from their work. You know, a lot of this continent is made up of handouts and donations. But now to be working in a production facility and producing for the likes of Adidas. No longer are you at the end of a, of a handout from the UN, also, but you're actually producing a product that's going to be sold in the US by Adidas. That's a completely different thing.
Can you tell me your name again? Lydia. 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 Mm-hmm. Lydia. I'm thinking you didn't tell me that before, so it's not again. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm the one who told you that. Yeah. Can I learn your names? Massey Jerry. Massey. Massey, yeah. Lydia. Mm-hmm. Grace. 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 Yeah. Jerry. 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 Yeah. Margaret. Margaret. Margaret taught me all my beating skills. I got him. <laughs> Massey taught me all my beating skills, which I've now forgotten and failed on already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good work. You can be much better if you continue coming or if you continue doing the beading, beading work. How long did it take you all to learn this? Since we started, since we started bidding, we were trained. At least, we when we do about bidding, first we have we must have training. So, from Atson, send someone to come and train us. Every sample we do, we always so have always training. learning new techniques. Yeah, every new techniques. So it's not so always that's the same. Why that's why we are so good in bidding. Yeah. Because it probably changes for us. Yep. Styles. Mm-hmm. That's how we learned so quickly. Can you tell us about how this works with the community? So you're a collective. Yeah, it is good because it helps women in the community. We, as the group, invite some women to come and we train them. And when they know, they do the work and they earn some money for their children, they pay even school fees, they provide, the, we are on rented houses, so they pay even the house rent. Fantastic. Yeah. Do lots of, do you all have children? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Everybody, yeah. 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 Are the hours good because you can work in one afternoon or one morning because people understand that you need to be with your children? No, during the day they're in school mm. and during the day that is when I'm working, and in the evening we have we have time with them. Yeah, yeah, good. Can I ask you about where you live? What's yeah. the name of this place? This place is called Waidaka, and uh, Waidaka we are near the DO's office. There's also a police station there, so mm-hmm. in security we are safe. So that's why we like this place. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. And nobody stays here. We just lock the door and we go, and in the morning we come. So it's good. It's, it's a good very place. nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very safe. And do you all live close by? Yeah, not far, not far. Do you walk? Yeah, yeah, we walk. And how how has this work made your community better? Like not just your life, but your community? Yeah, we like it because even the community knows us. They always come to ask, is there any work we can do? So we just hold, hold, work is still coming, continue praying. I love that this is women making product for women and helping Absolutely. each other. To me, that's really exciting. What em- all the empowering, men do? empowering other women. Yeah, empowering other women. Yeah, mm-hmm. and working for yourself. Yeah, independence. Yeah. yeah, and to be able to also educate your children, you know, and pay for your homes and everything like that. It's and food. And food, exactly. Yeah. So, what sort of work do the men do? Unemployed. Unemployed. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Really? So that makes this even more important. Yeah. So as the women, you really are supporting your families. You're the main breadwinners. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. But to share, you bring five shillings, I bring five. <laughs> Ten shillings, put on the table, we share. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. African women are hard working. Yes, and we love hard working. And strong. Yeah, and strong. Mm. I mean strong in your heart, like strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very strong.
and we are happy when we have our own. Yes, of not course. always depending on them. Absolutely, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think I think that's the same for women all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. It's we, we all want to have our own income so we can support yes. ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, there's so much power in women helping other women, isn't it? Like together. Yeah, yeah. it's a different thing. Yeah, women together. We can actually rule the world. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you can't work alone. You must work in a the team. Says that when you educate a girl, you educate the whole society. So when a woman is active mm-hmm. and has the power, the whole state is powerful. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what, it's like the foundations. Yeah. 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 And women hold the households together. Exactly. Women and women actually, we know this in every country. It's the same all over the world that women are all overwhelmingly women are the ones deciding how to cook the dinner yes, women yeah. are the ones looking after the children women are the ones working holding the household together yeah. yes can yes, I ask you what are your dreams what do you hope for the dreams we have have better dreams for their family yeah starting from the children yes even their husband an active woman in our home state in fact when you're entering the gate you 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 will notice that that home is well kept Yes. By an active woman. Yes. Because the faces of the children, the husband. Mm-hmm. Especially in Africa, when you come to a homestead, especially for we as the Kikuyus, where is the owner of the home? Even the husband will say, the mama is there. That's really? the woman. Really? <laughs> the mama is there because yeah. the woman is, yeah. Sure. It's so unfortunate for women who don't stand with their homes because where a woman has failed, the home is completely finished because. You know, we are the ones who encourage children in learning. We are the ones who hold husbands when they come with their salary, whatever we are going to do. When we come together with the husband, we shall do something great. But when you leave the man alone with the salary in the pocket, we just go with the other men to the bus, drink, spoil yeah. the money. But yeah. when you just get him with your whole heart and the children, you do a lot in the home. My name is Anne-Marie Baudel. I'm the head of design at MIMCO. And um, we basically spent the afternoon with a group of incredibly inspiring women in a slum in Nairobi who basically help produce beautiful products for artisan fashion and for EFI. Before we went, there's a bit of scepticism from the people on the ground that we would be able to break through and really get women to talk to us about their lived experiences and their lives beyond the whole, we are the client and you are the person making the items. But we knew that we could do it, didn't we? We kind of got our heads together and went, you know what, if it was just women in a room, I think we'd have a different experience. And also, if we sat down there and said, can you teach us? Because we're not the people in power here. We don't know how to do this really skilled work that you do. Can you help us? And we did it and we pulled it off, didn't we? <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, what the coolest thing was, is that, you know, we went in with this idea that Beading, when you see it on product, looks intricate, but you think that there's a simplicity of actually the process of doing it. And when we actually sat down with the ladies, all, you know, we sat around a table, we talked about their lives, and they taught us how to do this really complex beading process that literally you couldn't actually do at the same time as having a conversation. It wasn't something you could do while you're multitasking. And with so much skill, and they did it literally 10 times as quickly as we could do it. And also, it was just so complicated that I had no idea the artisanal skill involved in actually producing these beaded strips that we're doing for our EFI collection. Yeah, you come away with a reverence for the skill, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think a lot of these women have been working with us for a very long time. And they're experts not only on beading, but experts on 
weaving and textiles, all the different attributes that we produce in our EFI product, they have all of those skills which is really impressive. I mean, really, they are masters of many different trades. But I want to come back to that idea of the power dynamic, because I think that it's interesting that, of course, people are potentially intimidated or they're on their best behavior when the client comes in and starts saying, please, can you show us what you're doing? But I do think we broke that down by spending a decent amount of time with these women and by changing that dynamic. So instead of being the kind of checking people who'd come in and go, let's have a look at what you're doing there, is that, you know, with the associated idea that maybe we're judging. Instead, we came in and said, no, we just want to talk to you. We just want to understand your experience and learn from you. I think also as well, you know, I think um, women are the same world over. We, we're all on the same life journey. And yeah. I think that, you know, in the end, you know, if you sit down with any women across all parts of the world, we all have the same dreams and the same hopes and the same connections. And so, you know, fundamentally, we're all the same. And I think that actually in the end, if women sit down and have a gossip, which is really the kind of afternoon that we had where they were educating us about a skill that we definitely did not have, they could show us that really, you know, we're all the same. We all have something to offer, you know, in different aspects of our lives. It was really, really incredible. It really was. Now, I know you and I know that you're very passionate about women's issues, women's rights and empowering women. But do you want to just share with us a little bit about how that plays out with your work and with MIMCO? The majority of our customer base is female. And as a brand, you know, we really try to support women's issues. One of the charity organizations that we're involved with is Our Watch, which is a domestic violence prevention charity organization. And we've, we've got a long um, history of working with them. And then EFI, which is around basically female empowerment and supporting women in marginalized communities. If women have their own financial resources, they're able to educate their children. The financial foundations of Female employment extends to every part of the community and eventually across the globe. If we're able to give women power, it lifts the whole community. That's the fundamentals of it. The world is shifting. We're now, we're now in a space where consumers are really wanting to understand um, the, where their products come from and the people that they're supporting and people they're buying from. And if you have a positive story and the fact that we're supporting people and growing these communities, we have much more longevity. This is actually the journey that we're going on. So this is the next step. This is the future. It's getting hard. My parents feel that I'm defending you. I tell them all that they are wrong because I love you. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. You can get in touch there and I really hope you will. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to my social media. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. You know what they say, first in, best dressed. Subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover wardrobe crisis. So I'd love your help with that because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion, the better. Music is by Montaigne. She recorded this special acoustic version of Because I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for Wardrobe Crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Because I love you Because I love you